Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Awesome, awesome. Hey, let's thank our worship team one more time, shall we? Let's take just a moment to to pray together, and then uh, I've just got a few thoughts to share with you this morning, so let's do that. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are a risen king, that in you we have new life. We pray, God, that this morning you would speak your words of hope, confidence, and help. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Well, somehow, my stand doesn't want to stay standing. Anyway, there we go. You know, I was thinking about this morning, I thought there's really kind of two types of people in the audience today. There are really just two choices here. You either really like those chocolate Cadbury eggs or you don't, right? Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. But there are really kind of two types of people. There are folks, and we're a part of that, that are here that are skeptical about the resurrection. They're skeptics. Then there are also those who are believers in the resurrection. And you really can't sort of be in one camp. You can't be in the middle of those two. You're either a skeptic. I don't believe that's true. I'm not there yet. Or I believe. So you're either a skeptic and believe the words about Jesus that we know that He's a resurrected reigning King with God, or you don't. And for all of you who are skeptics, I would say that's okay. You're in a good place right now. This is a safe place to be because I would say a few of us, no, I would say more than a few of us, I would say most of us, now actually I would say 100% all of us at some point in our lives, one way or the other, were skeptics and had questions about God. So my, kind of my role this morning is really twofold. On the one hand, if you're a skeptical person and, and you have questions about who Jesus is, and if he resurrected from the dead, if he is God's son, that's okay. That's okay. My role today is to help maybe push you a little bit further toward investigating the claims of Jesus in a real way. Because we don't just drift into spiritual maturity and spiritual health. That's just kind of drifting along. We don't drift that way. We don't find spiritual strength, guidance, the answers to our questions by just hoping it will happen. It takes some investigation. And that is a good thing. And that is a good thing. In fact, today at the close of the service, I would just invite you, if you have questions about the Christian faith, you want more information about it, you need some resources for it, we have a a booth back there that says, I said yes, you can go back there and get some free resources. There is a great book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christ. And he goes through and answers many of the questions because he himself was a skeptic. And he delved deeply into finding the answers to the questions that he had. So if you're a skeptical person today, you're among friends. Because all of us at one time or another were in that camp. If you're a believing person, if your faith has been placed in the person of Jesus, if you found that the resurrected life of Jesus can live in you and you're experiencing that, my role today is just to encourage you in your faith. And to say, keep at it. God is with you. God is strengthening you. He will give you courage. He will help you to face the issues that you face in life. So on both hands, it's an opportunity to win today. Maybe you have questions. I thought about this. What are some key questions that people who might have that are skeptical about God? I just wrote down a few. 
Is the story of Jesus true? Is it true? Does the Bible provide evidence for Jesus' resurrection? Is there any evidence that this really happened? Was Jesus really crucified and buried in a tomb? Did the disciples steal the body and fake Jesus' resurrection? Were the early Christians mistaken about Jesus' resurrection? Does it really make any difference if I believe in the resurrection or not? Does it make any difference if I believe that or not? Well, I heard this story about a Sunday school teacher who had young kids in her class. And she turned to them one day as she was talking to them and she asked them this question. She said, how do you get into heaven? And then she answered and she said, if I sold my house, if I sold my car, had a huge garage sale, gave all of the proceeds to the church, would I get into heaven? And her young class shouted out, no. She said, what if I cleaned up around here all the time made sure the church was neat and tidy, everything was taken care of, worked as hard as I could to make sure everything was okay, would I get into heaven? And they all said, no. She said, well, then how does someone get into heaven? And a five-year-old boy from the back shouted out, you got to be dead. What is it about the resurrection that is so important? I love this about the Christian faith. It's different than any other religion because in the Christian faith, we talk about the essential things that we believe in, but we also show the process which people struggle with to understand what that faith is about. We don't have perfect people in the Bible. We have people just like you and just like me who have plenty of foibles and fall apart at times. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is written by Paul, who came later in life a bit to believe that Jesus was the resurrected Lord. In fact, Paul had been one of those people that persecuted Christians and early believers. So much so that he sent people out. He was a part of Christians that were being murdered. Paul was totally opposed to the Christian faith. Totally opposed. He was a huge skeptic. He thought it was worse than wrong. He would do anything to stamp out the Christian faith and belief that Jesus was the resurrected Lord. But later on, he has a transformation in his life. This is what he writes later on to a church in Corinth. He said this, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul said, if we don't have a risen Christ, we have nothing. The Christian faith is worth nothing. Who would believe in a faith where the leader promises and doesn't come through? What good would that do anybody? Paul said, if you have No resurrected Lord, you have no faith. There's no business believing in that. Christianity is so different from other religions. It is a claim at the very heart of Christian faith that we believe this is essential core to what we believe, that Jesus did in fact rise from the dead. He did it not just to show the power of God over death, 
but that He also is the one who fulfills His promises, His claims to be true, that He forgives people, that He is the way that brings salvation to all of us. So believing or not believing is a very important thing. I read this about a, a, a biblical scholar and church apologist, Gary Habermas, who is a, a kind of a key person that investigates the findings and the, the facts about Jesus and the history of who Jesus was. And he's taken time to engage about 2,500 plus other theologians that spend their life looking at the, the person of Jesus' life and all of the claims that Jesus made. And were they true? And what did those other scholars find? To over 2,500 of them. And then he boiled it down to say about the resurrection and the facts about what happened to Jesus, what is it that those scholars all agree on? Let me give you four things that he compiled called the minimum facts approach. He said this, these are four commonly held beliefs of those who deeply study the events of Jesus' life. First, Jesus' death and, and crucifixion were real things. They actually happened. The second is there was an empty tomb. There was an empty tomb. The third thing they agree upon is the disciples had experiences that changed them from being cowardly to seeing Him to then becoming bold. And the fourth one is the life changes of two men in particular who were strong skeptics. And that would be the Apostle Paul and James. How many of you have siblings? Yeah, okay. So I have, I have three siblings. What if one of your siblings claimed to be God? You'd think that's a bit strange. You'd watch them pretty carefully and you'd wonder, you'd know them pretty well. Well, that was James. James was the brother of Jesus. And James was very skeptical about who Jesus was. He grew up with him. But James' life flips from being a skeptic to being the person who leads the march of the Christian faith in the church in Jerusalem. James somehow catches that Jesus is just exactly what he said he was. He was the Messiah, the risen one. For many people, when Jesus died, the game was over. They said, put the body away, prepare it for burial, put it in a tomb, roll a stone in front of it, and it's done. For many people, that's where Jesus is. And a question for all of us today, I think, is this, really easy. On what side of the stone are you standing? If you stand on the inside of the tomb with a dead body that never rose from the grave, you might think Jesus was a great person, a moral teacher. Almost every world religion wants to claim Jesus. He was a great person, moral teacher, said great stuff. He did some miraculous things, but that was it. If that's all the Christian faith has, I don't think it would be anything like it is today. You can stand on that side, or you can stand on the other side of that stone, where the stone has been removed, rolled away. It's the place where God says, I do miraculous things. I live in the person of Christ. I bring salvation to people. I draw people near to me, not push them away. If you're in that place, you're standing next to the risen Lord today. He's the one that makes sense out of life when it doesn't make sense. 
I read this about the tomb. It comes from Matthew 27. It says, The day after preparation day, the chief priests and Pharisees went to Pilate, and they said, We remember that while you were still alive, while he was still alive, the deceiver said, After three days I will rise again. So he gave the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. So the order for the tomb was to be made secure. Otherwise, the disciples may come and steal the body and tell people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate answered, take a guard, go and make the tomb as secure as you can. So they went and they made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and they posted a guard. There are some people that believe that the disciples somehow stole the body of Jesus and that the tomb was empty. It's interesting here, though, that the, the term for guard is talking about not just one guy holding a spear in front of the tomb, but it's about a group of 16. Four different groups that make up 16 is 16 people that are a guard. And that guard is a guard that guards whatever the Romans tell it to do under threat of death. If the guards were to fall asleep and anyone was to come and mess with the tomb, they could answer with their life. If that seal, that Roman seal that was on the tomb was to be broken, those guards again would answer with their life. The fact that we have this tomb sealed up, being watched very carefully and closely, is one thing. It's another thing to think that the disciples who are running for fear of their lives would somehow get some kind of courage to overwhelm a band of soldiers, take them out or wait till they were all asleep and enter the tomb and steal the body. I don't believe that's anywhere close to what happened because scripture tells us that the disciples actually locked themselves away in a room. It says this in John 20, the disciples were locked in a room. On that evening of the first day of the week, they were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Jesus said, Peace be with you. I am here for you. What happened to those disciples? What changed them? What changed their lives? I read this in a book about This Changes Everything, entitled This Changes Everything. The author writes this. They walked into that room defeated, but they walked out dynamic. They walked into that room crushed. They walked out confident. They walked out having a pity party. They walked out ready to take on the world. They walked into that room paralyzed by fear. They walked out filled with faith. Something happened. What is it that happened? Jesus came and stood among them. They saw him, they touched him, they talked to him. He appeared not just to them, but to many other followers of Christ, many others in the world. The resurrection changes everything. People follow Christ's teachings not to, to become saved, but because we are saved. They've discovered something even better than knowing the words of Jesus they found what it means to know him, to know who he is. Because he's been raised from the dead, he brings us to life. That's his purpose. 
That's his purpose. I love what John says at the kind of the conclusion of his gospel. John said this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. It's one thing to believe, John said, but you want to believe in the one that is true. You want to believe in the one that changes life. You want to believe in the one that alters you from being a person of unbelief to belief. You want to trust in a God who can give and provide answers of hope and life in your life. And why don't you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you are the one that conquers death. Thank you, God, that you are the one that we can trust in. Thank you, God, that the things that you promised are true. And God, if there are people here today that go, I'm just not sure of all that stuff. I just pray for them. I pray that they would investigate, take a deeper, closer look at what it means to trust in you, to at least begin that process of seeking after you. And God, I would pray today for any person here that says, you know what, I've been kind of on the fence with God. I've thought, you know what, I think God's out there. I wonder if he's there. But Jesus said, if you place your faith in me, you can have real life, a forgiven life, a life that casts away sinfulness and brings us into a relationship with God. If that's you today and you're saying, you know, I don't have that. I want that kind of life. I want a relationship with God. I need God to come in and be the resurrected Lord of my life. Not just to guess at where I'm going, but to head in God's direction. If that's you today and you say, today I want to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. If that's you today with everybody's head closed, head down, eyes closed, you just raise up your hand. I just want to pray for you. If that's you today, amen, 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 amen. You bet. Amen, amen. Jesus, I pray for those folks who have said, I just, I need to know who you are today. And we pray for them, God, that you would start that incredible journey of walking with them as they find new life in you. God, would you bless each and every one of us today because you indeed are risen. You are the risen and conquering Lord. We pray that in your name.